We started off by just like going to farms and like dressing up grower girls and making them feel beautiful and fun and funky and putting wigs on them. And so that happened in 2017. And then we really just did it as a blog. That kind of escalated pretty quickly. We did a launch party and we're like, ooh, maybe we should do cannabis events because there weren't a whole lot of cannabis consumption events in the space. And and if they were, they were, you know, just, yeah. And like not, yeah, not really like fun, not our vibe. And so we did this launch party. The first one we did was only girls. We invited all these really cool girls in the industry, but we quickly just realized that there was a need for community and for culture and for somewhere for people to come together and just smoke and chill and play music, dance, you know, You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Just in case you forgot, you are listening to the To Be Blunt podcast. My name is Shada Tarabi. I am your host. If you are new, welcome. If this is a repeat listen, thanks for being here. It really is exciting to be reflecting on how many episodes I've recorded already. I don't know if you've listened to all of them, but they've certainly taught me a lot as I navigate cannabis from my corner of the world. And it really is a testament that no two brands are the same no two stories are the same. And I think the biggest excitement for me personally is is there isn't just one road to the top. There isn't just one way. And so I think that's really what I hope and will continue to hope and champion with this podcast. That's what I want you to take away from these episodes. I hope that you are walking away inspired and able to think more creatively And so with that said, I really can't believe that this is episode 21 already. And we've got a pretty fun show today because I have two badass, emphasis on the badass women, Jade Daniels and Harley Case. They're the co-founders of Ladies of Paradise, a creative cannabis-influenced agency that really intersects everything from branding and creative to events and social media. And on top of it, they also operate their own line of pre-rolls under the brand name Lady J's. So they're doing a lot. They're living these beautiful, fabulous, cool looking lives. And I'm just excited to get to know these women more than what I've seen on social media. And they sit in a very juicy position, in my opinion, because operating in a THC legal adult use market is very different than how the CBD market operates. So I'm really eager to welcome them to the show and learn more about their story and share it with you guys. So let's jump right in. My name is Jade Daniels. I'm founder and co-owner of Ladies of Paradise and Lady J's. 
and we're a creative marketing company out of Portland. And Lady J's is our pre-roll line, which we sell in hemp and also THC here in the state of Oregon. I'm Harley, and I'm one of the owners and our creative director. Ladies of Paradise, let's dive into that first. It seems like that's like the overarching brand that you guys are operating. It sounds like Lady J's is underneath that. You have a creative house. I was looking on social media, of course, stalking you guys. So plug for that. Everybody needs to go follow Ladies of Paradise. Your aesthetic is obviously very feminine, but very empowering, very fun, very confident and bold, which I think is very disruptive for cannabis, where it's been traditionally a very male-dominated plant or industry. So just like, how did you start? Where did the ideas come from? Let's just pick it apart from there. For sure. Well, actually, Ladies in Paradise started originally with just Jade. She had a jewelry company and was traveling all over the world, importing really, really bold, cool jewelry. Both of us are pretty like out there women in general. And so we really, we really like made sure that our brands have been like a really good like reflection of who we are. Because we're going to be spending our days doing it. We want it to be like, we love it and for it to show that we love it. But Ladies of Paradise is a creative agency and we mainly specialize in the cannabis industry, but we actually have been branching out recently and it's been really awesome. We do videography, photography, branding, website design. Our main focus has been helping people speak to their female audience, helping people like reach the women out there that maybe don't exactly fit into just the feminine box because that's something that we saw too like it was super male dominated and then there was a feminine touch but the feminine touch was like this super pale pink cursive writing like and we're like we don't fit into either of those boxes you know like we're the like loud crazy girls that are coming in like jade like skateboards we wanted to be able to speak to you know people that didn't fit really into either of those boxes (laughs) And so when did you found Ladies of Paradise? So Ladies of Paradise originally was founded in 2014, but then we rebranded in 2017. We (laughs) wanted to focus on women who were doing really cool stuff in cannabis, whether it was growers, whether they owned a topical company, whether they supported their husband or boyfriend or just did anything like, you know, we just saw so many women doing cool stuff behind the scenes you know, they're just like in the backgrounds. And so we started off by just like going to farms and like dressing up grower girls and making them feel beautiful and like fun and funky and putting wigs on them. And so that happened in 2017. And then we really just did it as a blog. And then that kind of escalated pretty quickly. We did a launch party and we're like, Ooh, maybe we should do cannabis events because there weren't a whole lot of cannabis events, consumption events to be specific in the space. And, and if they were, they were, you know, just, yeah. And like not, yeah, not really like fun, not our vibe. And so we did this launch party. The first one we did was only girls. We invited all these really cool girls in the industry, but we quickly just realized that there was a need for community and for culture and for somewhere for people to come together and just smoke and chill and play music, dance, you know, play with aliens. Like we're, you know, like we did an alien Cowboys versus aliens party, which was, I think our favorite party yet. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, you know, so then we started doing events and then that kind of turned into, you know, with our photography and everything and just the aesthetic that we were doing all these different brands were like, Hey, like, you know, started hiring us to do branding and photography and stuff for them. And then it wasn't until 20, 
18, where we really decided that we needed to come out with our own product because we were just doing so many cool things for other companies. We wanted something that was like our baby. And so then that's when Lady J's was born. And we were just so proud of that. Joints are like the main way that we all smoke, you know? And so it just kind of was a no brainer for us to start there and and put out a pre-roll line. And we really liked the packs. And it was really important to us to like be more sustainable than things we had seen. And so like using those plastic dude tubes all the time just didn't make sense. And so for us, it was important to to make something that you could actually be biodegradable and wasn't going to have any plastic at all. And so that's something that we're really proud of. Y'all said so many amazing things that I just want to like peel, peel back a little bit here and there. Uh, I'm curious. So I, I do marketing as well. I mean, obviously the whole like point of this podcast is like with a marketing focus on the cannabis industry. Harley, it sounds like you're a creative director. Were you a creative director in your previous jobs before this? Jade, were you doing marketing, creating content before this? Or was this just like you being creative and being organically you? And then kind of like what you were saying, Jade, you were just doing this in the space and then other people started seeing how badass it was. And then that's where then it was maybe an opportunity for you to turn it into a business. I just want to kind of understand that part. A little bit of everything. I personally have been an entrepreneur since I graduated high school. I never went to college. So like, I feel like for me, like photography and getting like a brand out there and showing people to the world, like what was like in my heart and soul was always kind of what I was doing, but it's always just been like for me or for me and Jade and it's worked out pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. And I did go to school. I went to university of Houston and I majored in public relations and then I minored in international business and, um, creative writing. Um, and so I, I really kind of took my time going to college. Like a lot of people go to college and they, you're like, ah, I went to school for anthropology and now I'm a, you know, but you know, and so for me, I really, I took a year off. I really, um, I really waited because I wanted to do something that I was really going to value and something that was really going to help me in what I wanted to do in the long run. And I feel like I really did that. But I will say too that the space that we entered, like there was no, you know, prerequisites for like, you know, the cannabis industry is new. And, you know, a lot of times we would just take on stuff that we didn't know how to do. And we a would. <laughs> and, yeah, totally. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah, we do that. Out, for yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. And, We've done this a million times. Don't <laughs> worry. And, you know, and it, and it was, it's fun to do it like that. And also it really pushes you to branch out and think outside the box and really just tackle things that you're not comfortable with. And we've learned some lessons here and there, but for the most part, we've really, we've really handled up. And I would say like experience too, like, I mean, you work for, you know, your vintage company and like you did all of your own, like you were your own creative director. You were just more of like a one woman show. And I think that it's all kind of built the platform for us to do like what we're doing now that it has been really cool because I feel like we did not set out to do what we were doing at all it absolutely has like just came really really organically that's been really awesome well I think it's such a interesting point of the conversation which I hope people are paying attention to it's like this industry is so new so we were kind of touching on a little bit before we started recording there's nobody really before you or before us who you can kind of look to in the industry and say, oh, that's how you achieve success or that's a really great campaign. I think so much of the culture is and was still obviously there. And it's kind of the same. I mean, like you mentioned smoking. I think smoking a joint is very 
you know, defining of being a cannabis consumer. And I, I'm happy to see that it is continuing to be popular. But I think when you are starting to layer on those different aspects of it becoming more mainstream, normalizing, you're having different states go legalize, it's just creating different dynamics. And so on that front, y'all are in Oregon. Obviously, Colorado and California have been doing it, I think, longer if you're looking at it on paper. But I think Oregon has really come out as being like a quality epicenter for cannabis. And I don't know a ton about Oregon cannabis to be honest. (laughs) So I'd love if y'all could share a little bit of a pulse of what it's been like in Oregon. I don't know if it's been super THC. Obviously y'all also have Lady J's, which does have a CBD line. So kind of how does that work? How does that blend? Why did you get into CBD and THC? Okay, so for one, right, Oregon was legal before California, right? So before California, but after Colorado. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we took some notes from Colorado. The California's been doing its own thing. Well, I feel like leading in in testing and in like standards, I feel like our standards testing and procedures are really high in Oregon and it's really cool the way that we've done things. But for me growing up, I grew up in in Southern Oregon and the traditional market was like popping forever. And so like we were all trimming like on the side in high school. And it's been really crazy actually to see like the difference, like changing, you know, the legalization happening. But it's just a community here. Like that's the community. Like it's, it has been for like since the 60s, 70s, this whole community, especially in Southern Oregon is just like a grower community. And then since um, the farm bill passed, like you just now see like orchards getting torn down and hemp fields going up, vineyards getting torn down and hemp fields going up. And so, you know, in the beginning, like when it was just rec grows, you know, you had to have this nine foot fence blocking your plants. You couldn't see anything. And then now like since hemp is legal and hemp looks exactly like weed, you know, it's just like, boom, out there everywhere. It smells like right now it's harvest season, croptober, you know? And so everywhere it just like, especially in the evenings, you just get this like really like pungent weed smell everywhere. Even driving on the freeway through getting off the airplane because like our airplanes, Mm -hmm. our airport's really small. So you get off the airplane, like outside and walk down the little thing and you're just like, I'm home. And as far as us wanting to do THC and CBD, like we started with THC in Oregon and saw that like we could handle it and that it was going well. And so obviously, you know, we're always wanting to grow our company and we're like, okay, CBD and CBG, like we can reach more people. And so it was a no brainer for us that we should, you know, at least try that market as well. And, you know, our goal too, in the long run is obviously national legalization to happen. And until then, you know, we're working on licensing deals in other states for THC, just being able to put our brand in the hands of people who can't get it medicinally or, I mean, in the state of Oregon only right now was obviously appealing to us because we want our brand to be a household name brand that like people go to and people know about. Like I see it being like, American spirits with like all their different packs, you know, like I want Lady J's to be like, oh, here's our CBG, here's our CBN, here's our CBD, here's our THC, you know. So that's really like the end goal is to really just saturate the market and and really expand that with CBD and then hit hard with THC when we when we can. When it gets to expand, like you said, into national <laughs> distribution, which is such a dream. I can't wait for that day. I love what you've done in terms of growing the brand and expanding it. I am curious, 
I'm assuming it was easier to do it in Oregon with CBD. I mean, so running Restart, which is my CBD brand out of Austin and Jade, you're from Texas, right? Like you were born in Texas or you just went to college in Texas. I went to high school and college there, but I'm an army brat. So I moved around. Texas had a part of your life. (laughs) I call Texas. Texas is home. I would say Texas and Oregon are like my home, you know, splitting your heart. Yeah, totally. And I think with that, then you're probably familiar with what's going on in Texas. I think from my perspective, as somebody who's like really into cannabis and has traveled to different legal States to partake, to experience, to enjoy, do research, whatever you want to call it. It's really fascinating because Texas doesn't have legal marijuana. What the CBD market was going to be like, and is presently is just like blowing my mind up because I remember being a teenager, you know, in high school and smoking pot with my friends. And now to see us having this conversation professionally about hemp, at least in Texas, I think has opened up the cannabis conversation in general. So I'm saying all this because I think depending on where you are setting your brand up for this, for people listening, you may or may not have access to obviously THC legality as well as hemp. Obviously hemp's legal everywhere, but I just mean the THC component. And so how did you even get into thinking of like CBG as a cannabinoid? Like is CBD really that big in Oregon or is it still really THC focused slash was really the CBD, CBG, hemp side, just more on the, the branding and the distribution? Or, or do you really like, how does that work? So we sell a lot more CBD out of state. You can go to a dispensary and, and buy, they, they offer CBD. But I think that for states where cannabis THC is legal um, and you can access that, I think people kind of gravitate towards that over CBD. But like, you know, again, like for states like Texas, where, you know, it's exciting, like it looks like weed and it smells like weed and I kind of feel a little something, you know, it's It's like a a good gateway because there's so many people that like aren't like pot smokers, you know what I mean? And we're like trying to like ease them in. So I feel like there is a good amount of people that do prefer it in Oregon. We're mainly choosing THC. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's such an interesting distinction because most brands are picking a side versus seeing brands that are kind of taking advantage of both. And I think y'all are just in a really interesting position being in Oregon where so much hemp is being grown. Like you said, I mean, we source all of our smokable hemp from Oregon farmers and it's just a very big epicenter for hemp for the national distribution. But then obviously knowing that THC is legal there, it's just such an interesting kind of contrast for brands. And I just don't see a lot of brands doing it. So the fact that y'all were like, you know what, let's go ahead and also take advantage of this really popular plant that is to your point, Harley, I think that gateway, it's opening the door, it's cracking it open for someone who maybe doesn't want to be super stoned out of their mind, who's maybe heard there's some medicinal benefits, they're curious, they're interested to kind of dip their toe in the water. And yeah, it's been a really fun uh, journey. But y'all are the first people that I've had on the show that have crossed the line and done kind of both types of products. And so it's just always interesting to learn why people are choosing to play in both those worlds because we get asked all the time, people are like, oh, are you going to open a a dispensary when Texas becomes legal? And I think a lot of the sentiment for states that are not medicinal or rec legal yet is it is a gateway. Maybe one day we can open that dialogue or that dispensary up. But obviously for us in Texas, we're just trying to navigate with what we can play with. So um, it's very interesting. But yeah, I'd love to know a little bit too how how the politics and how the laws affect or make what you do harder or if you don't even really feel affected by them because I find that so much 
of the roadblocks in our way are actually creative growth points. Oh yeah. There's a lot of living in the gray area and, you know, trying to find ways around things. And that's nothing new to this industry. Like, you know, Texas banning the smokable hemp recently. I mean, that was big for us because we have a lot of wholesale clients in Texas and, you know, that immediately just cut off all of them. Like none of them could reorder. And, um, and so, you know, we're, we're also trying to get more involved in like the political side of things and what we can do and what we can use our platform for to really expand just the knowledge on like what's happening. Hey, you guys are in Texas. You smoke Lady J's. Hey, go sign this petition. You know, just things like that where we can just find what we can do to help that because living in the gray area and dodging around things is not a fun way to operate your business. And, you know, it it requires legal counsel and all sorts of things. And so, I mean... I don't know. While this is a really fun industry that we like stumbled into, it's also got its hurdles. And, um, and so it hasn't been like an easy journey for us. And it, it continues to, to be that way until I think national legalization. And then after that happens, then there's just all, oh my God, all the rules that's going to come with that. And, oh, how are we going to do this? Or where's this, you know? So yeah. And then also there's like other legal stuff, with like the marketing aspect of it as well. And like trying to, grow people's platform online without like talking about money or sales or like showing the product in certain ways or smoking in certain ways. And so like being in charge of, of other, of like being in charge of the possibility of people's accounts getting shut down because, because you said the wrong verbiage or whatever. Like there's, there's a lot of, it's really crazy actually too. Like the amount of stuff that you can't mention and that you have to like, you have to really navigate in a really interesting way. How do you keep up? I feel like I look on a regular basis to see if any like new laws have have came forward with with the way that you can advertise. It's been pretty much the same yeah. for the past couple Don't of years. Don't say prices. Yeah. You can say where you can find your stuff, but you can't say how much it costs or you, you can't, can't like, actually be consuming it. You can almost be consuming it. You can hold it in your hand, but you can't be smoking it like in your mouth. Like so yeah. it's like interesting too, like, you know, you can run ads on Instagram, but you have to make sure to like not mention CBD, hemp, cannabis. Like you have to, like, we like, we're about to run an ad for our packs and we had to like actually Photoshop all of the like cannabis leaves from the packaging to make it like pass. And so there's like loopholes that you can use, but like you have to know the loopholes and a lot of it is like trial and error too. And then like asking the community and like figure, you know, figuring out insider scoop. (laughs) Well, it feels like y'all are in a sweet spot too, because it sounds like you started the agency before you launched Lady J's. So it sounds like you were doing some industry stuff, kind of dipping your toes in the water. Like you said, Harley, it's like, okay, I'm doing this for a client. Like fingers crossed that I, you know, set it up the right way that it doesn't pull their account down or the ad, you know, gets pulled off or whatever money gets lost. But then now you obviously have your own brand. So I think there's a little bit, maybe more, I don't know if I'm more bold on my own personal, you know, CBD brand where it's like, Oh, like, let's just see what happens. Like everything you explained and expressed, like we've, we've tested the waters. I mean, I've had some videos that have been me smoking straight up with a bong hemp, of course, but with a bong and Instagram's like, we don't like that. We're taking it down. And then sometimes I'll post the exact same video just with, you know, different background. And Instagram's like, yeah, go ahead. Like here's, you know, thousands of views. And I'm like, I don't understand 
what works. And so obviously when you do it for yourself, I can have that tolerance of, well, if my account gets pulled down, it's my fault. I did this. But as a marketer, somebody who likes creating content, like I want to create that content. I don't, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm just not going to post this stuff because I think I personally feel an obligation to help normalize it. I'm sure y'all feel the same way. It's like you ended up in this industry and you're like, how do we help other people see that this is a plant? It has all these medicinal benefits. It's a better alternative to other types of vices. Hey, it's just a fucking plant. Like, let's just be cool. It's just a plant and navigating that. So I think it's a, it's kind of a funky world that we get to live in. Have you had any major oh shits with social media for any clients? Um, just things getting taken down, really. We haven't been in charge of anyone's accounts getting deleted, which I am so, so, so grateful for. But like kind of on a different note, like we've had like all of our accounts shut down. You know what I mean? Like QuickBooks and like Square. PayPal. And, you know, we recently actually just got kicked out of Chase. Like literally there, it's, it's crazy. We're we didn't get a PPP loan. My only assumption is that they looked at what we do and saw what we do. And so things like that, that are big, that like, you know, thank God, like at least cannabis was a essential and the, you know, during COVID and everything. So that kind of kept us afloat, but I mean, we were affected heavily by that. I mean, who wasn't, you know? And so, yeah, we've definitely had a lot of hurdles on the business side of even being um, a marketing company that works with cannabis companies that doesn't own a license, you know, it's really affected us a lot. So, um, and that's kind of too, like, you know, the idea behind ladies of paradise being the brand house and then having the cannabis brands underneath that. We've also tried to differentiate ourselves and be like, Hey, we actually work with other, you know, non-cannabis brands too. Like we are a marketing company. We are not a cannabis marketing company, you know? We've had our issues there, but yeah, I think that that's the key is just kind of navigating it as best you can. And obviously sometimes you're going to let things slide by, which is great. And sometimes certain things you do get caught and it, you know, maybe pushes you a couple steps back, but that's really crazy about all those business solutions that you mentioned. I mean, I relate, I can't be on PayPal. PayPal not only shut my personal account down, they shut everybody in my family down. Everyone in your family down? Everyone in my family. And it's funny, and maybe y'all can relate to this. My background is corporate tech marketing. So I come from platforms, e-commerce, hosting. When I was launching our brand, I was like, online. So easy. I can do e-commerce. Like, let me just go set this up. Like, yes, I can like make an e-commerce store and take somebody's money with payment merchant, obviously very confronted with the realities of that. And so as I was navigating that over the last two years, I think we're in a comfortable space, but it scares me because we're on platforms that don't allow us to grow. And so you're kind of in this well, I would like to grow my business, but I don't actually know what platform is going to let me go grow my business. And so you're stuck kind of in a cycle of holding out, fingers crossed, praying to the gods, hoping that at a national level, at a state level, the laws change, that these platforms open up. But yeah, it's been really freaky because I have people in my my friend group who are professionals and you know tech and digital. And they're like, Shada, why don't you just use PayPal or like, why don't you just use Shopify? And I'm like, I don't think you listen to me on the internet at all. I like complain every day how crappy these solutions are. And 
I'm sorry, Shopify's CBD platform is a joke to me. You can only sell certain products. It doesn't let you have your full product list on there. And and that's just like a small example, as I'm sure y'all know, even payment merchants, I run into people and they're like, yeah, we can do topicals, but we can't actually do smokables. And I'm like, you can't be my payment merchant. But I think people getting into the industry or who find themselves in the industry wanting to scale don't realize that that's the landscape and are very shocked when they try to go open a Chase bank account and Chase shuts them down. And so I guess the question I have to further pry is, was this all under kind of ladies of paradise where I guess the persona was more cannabis facing, which is why you're trying to hopefully distinguish like, Hey, we're, we're a marketing agency. We do everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Versus like lady J's being targeted. And then lady J's also has the THC and the CBD under the same brand though. So how, like, that's really hard because you're classified then as a THC brand. So you're getting pegged even harder. I feel. So with Lady J's too, though, it also is a marketing asset. So what we do is we sell our packaging to licensed farms. So basically we send them an invoice. We say, here's an invoice for this packaging. And then they just, they're just putting their, their flour and their joints in branded packaging. And so that's how we navigate that side of things. Because yeah, we don't own our own license here. We just, you can operate under someone else's license as long as you do it that way. And like I said, like that's kind of like, you know, the gray area too. And, um, but we work with lawyers and that's how they do it here in other states as well. And so that's what we're working on with like licensing deals. Like right now we're really working on getting into Oklahoma, which is exciting. And so that's how we would be setting that up. That's so interesting. I didn't even know that was a thing in the cannabis space. So let me kind of walk through it. You have to own a license to actually produce, grow, produce, extract, or like whatever the the bud and to put it in the packaging and sell it. You'd have to have a license to do that. To sell our packaging to producers and people who have farms. And you just built the brand and then that's their conduit for them selling their bud that they're growing. Yep. Are other people doing this? Are there other brands? Yes. So there's um, some big brands that we we met and that I've actually had meetings with in California who we probably have heard of too. But yeah, that's how you do it. If you are a marketing company, you don't have a license. That's how it gets done. Like Old Pal, for example, that does the same thing. There are a number of brands out there that you'd probably be surprised. Lowell, Lowell Herb Co. They don't, they don't have their own farm. They're a marketing company that works with other farms or that works with farms. It's cool because honestly, like it, it lets people stay in their own lane. Yes. Like the majority of people that are growing are like, they don't know, you know what I mean? Like they're not working in marketing, they don't, nor do they care or want to be doing that. And so being able to like, split up some of the money and like pay people to do different things that they like to do. It's just like, I feel like it's a cool way to do it. No, you hit the nail on the head. I think that's such a smart aspect because I think so many people get in this industry and they think obviously like seed to sale, like you have to get in the whole kit and caboodle. You have to go, Oh, license is open. Like, Oh my gosh, you got to get a license. I mean, even for us in Texas, like I don't want to grow. I don't like, I'm not a farmer. I don't have a husband who's a farmer or whatever, you know, nobody in my family owns a farm. So for me, the idea of like creating a brand that is reliant upon that, that chain is really overwhelming to me. And obviously brands do such a good job creating their brand that they don't obviously disclose some of that 
aspect of the brand, but I think it's a really interesting opportunity for people. Like you said, Harley, though, people don't want to necessarily, I mean, these growers, like they love growing. They're passionate about that. Just like you're passionate about marketing and creating these events or these experiences for someone. And so it seems like a nice, sweet spot. How do you even source these farmers though? Are y'all, I mean, friends with these people? Cause you grew up kind of participating in that side of the industry or I feel really, I mean, blessed for us to be down in Southern Oregon because like we know like if like so many different farms, like I feel like that if one dropped off, we can find another really easily. Like it's, there's a plethora, like she said, you know, like you're driving down the freeway, there are farms everywhere. Well, it sounds like you did the relationship side thing too. Like you've been there, you've been putting your goodwill into the community. It's not just like, oh, hey, we want to, you know, make this brand and kind of exploit it. It's like, no, we really care about this community and this plant. And like, how do we create a brand for people to rally around? That's different. And to like Southern Oregon, it's a really small town, you know? And so like me and Jade are like a very different energy for like what is going on down here. And so it's cool because people are like, they feel really excited. They're like, oh my gosh, like, these girls are getting, you know, written up in Forbes. Like that, that wouldn't happen. Like when you're one of, you know, like hundreds of farms down here, it's a good trade-off. I feel like that the farms that we work with, like we like to work with people that we really like and that we enjoy being around. And so it's really, I mean, I feel like just in general, we, everyone should do that. They should. Well, y'all do a good job. I noticed on your packaging and on just like your marketing, like you do disclose that it comes from farms. I guess I was assumptive that like you had some ownership of the farm. I didn't understand like the licensing component, but I think that that's, I'm sure something intentional that you chose to do to uplift these farms that you're working with, as well as connecting the dots for consumers of like, like this is a plant. These people are growing. Yes. Where it's coming from. And it creates some appeal for farm, obviously, you know, like our press and our write-ups and stuff, it creates, you know, appeal for people wanting to put their name on our label. It says on every label, like where our farm, where our flower comes from. And, um, and so people, people want to give us cheaper flour, people are, you know, they want to work with, work with us because, you know, we got written up in this and Herb just posted us and tagged you and, you know, all sorts of different things. And so, I think that that's really helped us just like the press side of things and, and, and working with these farms and really creating a brand that people want to associate themselves with. The next question I have, because the way that we set this interview up, y'all, I'm assuming are working with publicists. I personally do all my own PR for both my business and just for like podcasting and stuff. I don't think one is right or wrong, but I'm curious, obviously knowing how much press you have gotten, do you find that maybe in the early days, like y'all were just so radical and out there and like cool girls. I saw one thing like you're, you're making like eight girls in cannabis, right? Like that is such a cool story. And I think when you looked at, I mean, the timeline of when y'all launched and where cannabis really was nationally, nobody's really talking at that capacity in that way. And so that is a juicy story, but now knowing that you're working with you know, publicists, do you feel that they're now doing a lot of that procurement of press for you or is press coming more organic or is a mixture? I'd say a mixture. We work with Zoe Wilder. As you know, she's amazing. And we met Zoe in Vegas a while back and um, she's just really believed in us since the jump. And she really thought that our story was cool and that we were doing something different in cannabis. And she just really wanted to help us. Like I said, I went to school for PR and like we did a lot of like catching the attention of, of people who, you know, wrote about us in the past. But I would say that Zoe does help us quite a bit. 
yes, like initially we got the attention and like started this like movement for ourselves, but Zoe has 100% kept it steady throughout the years. Like if there are times like Jade, you know, had a baby last year. It's like, we're not always focused on like 100%, like getting out there, move, move, move. It's like, we can't, we're normal people. Like, and so she, yeah. So she's been really consistent on continuously, like, you know, pushing our story and making sure that people are, you know, wondering about what we're doing. So we're really, really appreciative for Zoe Wilder. I think that's a really smart approach. Like you said, obviously you can do it on your own and there are certain times where maybe you're more present in the business and certain times, like obviously being a new mom, like you want to be with your child and experience that. But I think for people listening, because it's such a new industry, I just, I find it so fascinating. I mean, here in Austin, I used to, I still kind of operate as like a food influencer, food blogger. So I know all of like the publicists locally in the hospitality space. And so like when I was launching Restart, we had a lot of success building our brand because I was pitching us to these publicists that I knew locally. We took an angle of marketing our CBD brand more from like a food and beverage perspective. So we do a lot of like CBD ice creams with like a local ice cream shop that has like, you know, seven different locations. Or we did like a really popular CBD smoothie bowl with like the number one smoothie shop in Austin. And and I found that, again, easier things for me to maybe do because that's where my experience and comfortability was. But also just being super scrappy, like you have to kind of put yourself out there and and know your story enough and just like put it out there. I think people sometimes are afraid to like write press releases about themselves. I mean, obviously, Jade, I'm sure you can relate. I also majored in PR, so I know what a press release is. I think maybe people listening are like, I don't know how to write that. How do I get someone to write about me? But it really was me just being like, okay, this is my network. This is what I can do. This is what opportunities are. Like, how do we go start telling our story in unique, interesting ways? And And I think press for me is a really great place to have a conversation about cannabis because I think when people are looking at something from a press perspective, it's like, oh, it was in this magazine. Like you said, you're in Forbes or in Herb. Like it has some weight to it versus me just being like, oh, here's this thing I did on Instagram. I feel like it's getting brands in front of general consumers. So I don't know if you feel the same way or not. Oh yeah, definitely. quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. I want to ask a little bit too about the branding for Lady J's. Everything y'all do is just so cool. <laughs> and it's interesting. I was, uh, I'm fascinated with branding personally. I think that I have an eye for branding. And so I like to play games with myself sometimes, like when I'm looking at different like cover arts or different packaging, like why would I pick that person's CBD brand? Like, why would I listen to that person's podcast? Like, what does the graphics say about them? And so I don't know if it was uh, like, oh, no brainer, this is the brand. Like you kind of had it already picked out or like, what was the process to creating the brand? Um, I would say with the visual stuff, like with us, like Ladies of Paradise, we already had an aesthetic. And so I really wanted to tie in kind of like a Miami vice. Like we could still be like, cause I'm, I like only shop vintage. And so I wanted to bring some kind of like 
retro aspect that was still really relevant and cool and like the 80s were like starting to be like really popular and I mean obviously like pink and teal have always been like you know the colors that we pushed for for ladies of paradise and it just worked really well because it was like a lot of pink and like wheat leaves and and so that was really I, I wanted to go like really cool like Miami Vice kind of vibe for for the packaging and our graphic designer her name's Alicia and she is incredible she did just such an amazing job and our whole brand in general is is empowering people and letting them know that like being you is like awesome I mean, honestly, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I feel like every little thing that we use, it would be so much better if, like, your ketchup bottle was like, you're a badass. (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) It's true, though. I love those little details, and I think it's probably maybe a little bit more of, like, being a millennial where you're looking for some of those brands to make you feel extra good. Like, obviously, what we sell is cannabis, and it's pretty commoditized. Like, people can get cannabis from any of us, right? You know what I mean? It's like the same product. And so I think for brands in the space, you have to kind of create something different. You have to catch somebody's attention in a different way. And so, yeah, I love that y'all have introduced those little attributes that I think really resonate with today's consumer that want something more than just to get high or just to feel an effect. It's like really buying into the way that a brand makes them feel. And, and I, I feel like literally talking to y'all, obviously seeing how you're dressed. I know the listeners can't see it, but like seeing how you're dressed, like you embody what I envision of your brand from seeing your packaging, from watching you guys on social media. And I think it's something so subtle that you probably have put a lot of thought and effort into obviously both how you dress, how you shop, how you you know live your life to how you've built your brand. But that's for me, I think the sweet spot that I wish people could take away when they're listening to episodes of podcasts like this, like you have to be true to yourself. Like you have to know who you are first before you even kind of like put it in a package that you sell to somebody else. And I don't think everybody out there is making a brand that they want to reflect so much. Like obviously y'all reflect your brand. I feel like I reflect my brand, but I'm sure some people out there are like, I don't need to be a part of my brand and I don't give a shit. And I'm making it for this other person. Like who's their customer. Um, But I think it's really cool when you can like leverage that personality into it to build some loyalty. I think too, a lot of times people are creating brands like just to make money. This is like our life, you know, and we like want to have fun and we want to be like super excited. And like, every time we look at it, be like, this is so awesome. And so I think for us, it was like, you know, so much more than just like us profiting from it. It was like, you know, something that like when we're like on our deathbeds that we're like, hell yeah, look at this. We did when we were young. Like, this is so sick, you know? (laughs) We were even talking about that yesterday. Like we were shooting on a weed farm and we were just like decked out and like all our like crazy outfits. And we're just like, dude, when we're like fucking 80, we're going to look back on this and be like, we lived a pretty cool life. Like we did what we wanted to do. Like we really stayed true to ourselves. Like our brand is all about authenticity and just, yeah, like our, it's a total reflection of who we are. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Honestly, I, I think that I couldn't, you know, run a business that I didn't feel was like me, really me. And so, yeah, I'm just, I feel lucky to, um, I just said this and like that weed map saying, but just, I feel lucky to have made a career out of something that really, you know, encompasses so many things that I love from like fashion to events to community and culture and networking and 
aesthetics and, um, and friendship and, <laughs> and, and <we> <laughs> so yeah, I think that we're really lucky to be in the spot we're at and we love our brands. I can tell. I love your brands too. I'm such a fangirl, just more of like watching fellow badass women live in their truth and everything you just said, Jade, like right there with you, I feel blessed and fortunate that I get to sit here and just hopeful that these conversations can help inspire someone else to wake up to their truth. Because like you said too, Harley, there's a lot of people getting into this industry for money. And I think that that's going to always be the case. It's something that we have to just kind of, you know, be very present and aware of. But then there's so many beautiful people like yourselves who are really passionate about the plant and really care about it and care about the community and the networking and the friendships and the opportunity of bringing this plant into the light. And I'm just really grateful that we got to have this conversation and we get to continue watching your journey. So thanks for the time. I wanted to ask, where is your favorite like dispensary or what's your favorite brand? Like when you are looking for people who are doing really badass things in cannabis, who inspires you? Well, my favorite dispensary is this dispensary in Portland called Eden. It's actually like a young woman owned and she has like four and now just like started her first grow and is like potentially going to put like a music venue on the grow. And like, those are, those are the kind of like people that were like, okay, we want to hook you up with a good deal. We want to work really hard for you because like, those are our people. And so I think we're really inspired by seeing other like young women like yeah. doing their thing, you know, <laughs> we like to work with a lot of women owned businesses and people who just really have like the same alignment as us and who are true to their brand and their brand is a living, you know, version of who they are. And Eden is really awesome in Portland too. There's some stores called electric lettuce and they have like a very retro vibe and um, yeah, just people who are kind of stepping outside of the box and doing things differently than the norm. And you can tell that there's some passion and, you know, and design and, and just love behind it. We like to work with a lot of brands who just aren't doing it for, you know, to make money who are, who are really cool people. And um, you know, you have a choice to who you work with. And so we really like to just align ourselves with people who we, we really vibe with. It's really crazy. You'd be surprised the amount of products that are marketed towards women that you think would be women owned and they're just not, you know? And it's like, and it's really crazy. And so we really like to like see who is actually like hiring women, working with women, women owned. It's important to us. And we love Restart CBD in Austin, Texas. Oh my gosh, thank you. I love that. That's great. Um, No, I was just going to add, I think it's so important... Part of why I like wanted to have these conversations was to just provide transparency. Obviously, for those of us in the industry, just like it feels good to just like shoot the shit with some like fellow badass women who are like fighting the good fight. Like that feels great to me. I do know that there are going to probably be consumers who are curious, they're listening, they catch an episode, whatever they're seeing us promote. And and it's so fascinating to me the amount of people who at least just like come into my shop and I'm like, how did you hear about us? And they're like, CBD Googled near me. Like you were the closest. I'm like, you don't know anything about my brand. You don't know any of the good work I've done. Like you don't know that we're women owned, sister owned. Like you know none of that. Like just CBD near you. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, oh, but like then it's a good opportunity. Thank you get those other ones. Yes. You totally do, but just a a point for people of like, do your research. Like there's just so many, not that it's wrong to have men make women focused brands. Maybe that is actually wrong. Like probably there's just some women, women a part of it, but 
I, I think people um, should do their research and do homework. And especially if they're going and creating a brand, um, thinking through what that experience is going to be like, whether it's the way it smells, the way it looks, the, the way that you disclose who is running your company. I mean, I think that's a big way that we differentiated ourselves, at least here in Austin too. You see so many CBD shops and they're like, yeah, we love CBD and organic and we source from high quality. And then you go to their about page and it's like, Who's running your business? I don't know. Versus obviously y'all are so present in your brand. I'm so present in my brand. I don't think brands need to have that to be successful, but I think in today's day and age, it really helps create a brand, right? And so people are always wondering like, how do you do it? And I'm like, you do it. You show up for your brand. So yeah, yeah people are definitely like becoming so much more intentional and conscious about their purchases and like where they're spending their money. And like, you know, if you're doing things like sustainably or even like eco-conscious, you know, like all those things are, are really, really important. I think that's where people can really start to see brands emerge in a market that otherwise is, is going to unfortunately be commoditized. So I appreciate the time with you guys. Thanks for sharing about Ladies of Paradise and Lady J's. Can't wait to continue supporting you guys from afar and up close. Can't wait to see you in person again. Where can our listeners catch you virtually? Our Instagrams are at Ladies of Paradise and at Smoke Lady J's. And then you can buy Lady J's online at shopladyjays.com. Well, wasn't that delightful? I honest to God feel like I learned something new every time I have these conversations. So I really hope you feel the same way. There's so much to learn from state to state, but especially operating in both sides of the industry can be super tricky. But Harley and Jade are total professionals and look fierce while doing it. So that wraps up today's show, but thanks for tuning in. And if you've made it this far, please, please, please share this episode with one person and go to iTunes and leave the podcast a five-star review. It's super simple and would mean so emphasis on the so much to me. Thanks again. Talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadeatarabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadeatarabi.com. 